are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leon Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sister Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. This is our weekly recap of the CBS drama, Madam Secretary. This week, we're recapping the episode, Global Relief. Julie, mm-hmm. how are you today? How are you? I'm good, Leon. I'm good. I thought this was an interesting episode. Uh, I think it ha- incorporates some areas of my particular expertise, as you're going to see. <laughs> I know a lot about Georgian gangsters and college admissions. Yeah. So, so, um, so I I will have some comments for us as we go through this. All right. So switching from last week's Kyrgyzstan desk to the, to. Georgian desk and college admissions desk. But first, this was definitely an episode with a message. And mm-hmm. at the end, you probably noticed if you, you know, watch that, uh, that you saw a message came up about so- relief for the Somali, what is it, what is increasingly a famine there in Somalia. And, um, and then a link to a UNICEF fund because Tay Leone is actually on the board of directors of UNICEF. She has been an ambassador since 2003. And Julie, she is a third generation, you know, contributor and really? believer in oh, UNICEF. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently her grandmother, Helenka Pantaleoni, helped. Okay. Isn't that a great name, Helenka? Yes, Lee, an excellent pronunciation all the way around. Thank you. Helenka helped to organize the Women United for the United Nations, and she held various posts from vice president and liaison to UNICEF, and that was in the 40s. And then her father serves uh, uh, on the U.S. Fund for UNICEF's board of directors, and um, so that's a three-generation UNICEF-believing family. And if you follow Taya Leone on Twitter, you'll see that about half her tweets are about UNICEF-related things all over the world. She's really active and involved and uh, knows what's going on in parts of the world. So I think clearly this storyline about Somalia and getting food and getting relief into some of these famine-stricken areas of Somalia was probably her idea. And at the end, there was a nice call to action. So I really yeah. like that, actually. I did, too. And I think that's why Madam Secretary, as a show, continue, you know, we continue to give it kudos because it brings these real-life situations, these global situations, to our attention. All right. But first, I have to say that when I logged, you know, I clicked on my list to watch Ma- Madam Secretary and I saw, you know, on the info portion mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. your, uh, you know, when you clicked the show, it said, Henry is taken off the doomsday cult case. I was so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. This is going to be a good episode. All right. So here are three storylines we're following on this week's Madam Secretary. The first is Somalia, we mentioned. They are on the edge of famine, and they're in the middle of a civil war springing up between rival factions, which I think, you know, probably happens every day of the week there in Somalia. And what we learn is that the State Department has connected with a former State Department employee who's now working for the Global Relief Fund, you know, a made-up NGO, I think. Um, But he's trying to do a food drop into the most stricken area of Somalia, and uh, these rival factions won't cease fire to let them do that. And then uh, he gets taken hostage when he goes in kind of solo to try to negotiate a ceasefire. And so the State Department decides to work with a Russian arms dealer to negotiate a food drop. Georgian. He's a Georgian. Oh, arms, Georgian. Okay. Georgian arms dealer. Oh, yeah. Living in Russia. Right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Thank you, yeah. Julie. Well, my, my comment is rut row. Like that just <laughs> seemed, seemed like 
sort yes, of an best un- listed two uh, two sort of sketchy people to be involved in the Somalia story. One was this Georgian arms dealer, and the other was the guy that was running that sort of pseudo Blackwater kind of uh, operation. Yeah, the military guys yeah. that she that she had enlisted, but. You know, I mean, when Bess has an idea and when she wants to get things done, she sometimes has to cut through the red tape. All right. The second storyline is the doomsday cult. Julie, I'm just going to sum it up this way. Do you mind if I just sum it up? No, please sum it up so we don't have to talk about it, Liam. Here it goes. Henry is on the case. Henry is off the case. Something happens in Oregon because that is always the most likely location for any rogue cult. Henry cooks dinner on crutches. Henry remembers he's a religion professor and cracks Uh the case. So now he's back on the doomsday case and back on the road to Damascus. Is that about some of that? That's it, Liam. Okay. I don't think we need to go into any more detail on that. There's some dovetailing you'll see with the Somalia story. Well, you already saw. You already watched the show, but you'll Mm -hmm. see. There's some dovetailing, but that's how we're going to cover that. And then finally, uh, the best story of the of the week, maybe of the of the whole season. I really, really enjoyed acceptance season. Okay, so Allison is waiting a word from fashion design school, and Stevie is awaiting word from Harvard Law School, and Bess like every good mother, is obsessively checking out second-choice schools looking for silver linings like the Omnipreneur Program. (laughs) That made me laugh so hard when when she said the Omnipreneur Program. But it just goes to show you that, you know, that the Secretary of State will stop in the middle of a world crisis to see if her daughter has been accepted to college. That's that's what's wrong with college admissions. Right. They now it has usurped everything. North Korea, who cares? Okay, right? We got problems with China. Forget about it. Okay, did you or did you not get into college? That's the big thing. <laughs> All right, so let's take the Somalia story. We set it up. There's a crisis. There's a former DOS employee working there. He was a good character. I thought. I you know he used to work on the Africa death desk and now he's you know want, wants to get his hands dirty in the field his name is Anise uh, and he's as she keeps saying pretty badass so he decides when the, the first attempt at a ceasefire falls apart that he's just going to go in negotiate for himself and then oops he gets taken hostage so Beth finds out the team Jay looking paler than ever I mean could he get any paler yeah I, he's, it's the, the whole divorce separation thing is not going well for him yeah Okay. Uh, and Nadine, she's shaking her head, man. She's shaking her head over this whole thing. Those two find out that, you know, there's this Georgian arms dealer there and he's selling guns and weapons to both sides of this rebel civil war. Uh, and maybe he is their best chance in getting them to stop shooting for a while so they can do the food drop to save 50,000 people and get the hostage out. Now, it's uh-huh. clear Nadine is not comfortable with this, and neither is my dog, Steffi. Not comfortable with this. <laughs> she's, she's weighing in. It's a security yes, expert. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, Nadine dear- is all about protocol uh, and using proper channels and really a diplomacy with a capital D. So this sort of behind-the-scenes thing with an arms dealer, yes. I mean, I think you should be uncomfortable if you're dealing with an arms dealer, Liam. Julie, what can you tell us about Georgian arms dealers? Okay, well, first of all, maybe you didn't realize, but I, when I lived in Moscow, the apartment building I lived in, everyone else in the apartment building was a Georgian arms dealer. Oh, you didn't, no. You didn't know that. It was just chock full of Georgian arms dealers. All right, hold that so, thought. I'm going to go tell the doctor to quiet down. So. 
So I lived in an apartment chock full of Georgian arms dealers, Leanne. So I appreciated in the scene where Madam Secretary actually meets this Dieter Persimani that there are there is the Mercedes 350 SUV in the shot. And I'll tell you why. Because that was the car of, that was for armed bodyguards. Like if you have a bunch of armed gar- bodyguards, which you need if you're an arms dealer, they all drive around in that exact same black Mercedes SUV. Okay. So there it was in the shot when she's meeting with Dieter. Yeah. So yeah. what I also liked about that scene too, was that that was like a terrible suit. And that would be true True for Yes, for I, I saw many people in the lobby. Uh, of course, none of these arms dealers ever spoke to me in the five years I lived in this apartment de- building. But yes, many of them were wearing suits that looked exactly like that. And, now the first, go ahead, Joel. Now, the person who really needed to up his outfit for, for, when you, for meets with arms dealers was Jay. Yeah. What was Jay doing in that L.L. Bean plaid <laughs> shirt? I mean, you I just know. can't. You just can't go meet arms dealers in in LL Bean clothing, Leon. Okay, you gotta like up your game, like toughen it up. I mean, at least Madam Secretary had the great trench coat on. I think that is her, you know, sort of her power coat. That, yeah, uh, that yeah. gives her authority. And uh, there was also a lot of more bad airport security in one of the world's most dangerous countries. Right there, she was meeting and. In- on an open airstrip in Mogadishu yeah. with an arms dealer. But yes, that's we've right. We've discussed okay. this before. We've discussed this before. Uh, but I did like Blake's behavior when they met with the Georgian arms dealer. Like the side eye. Blake looked yes. good. He was not having any of this. He was not right. happy. He was not happy. He didn't want MSAC there with this guy. Exactly. Because they, they, I mean, there were a lot of guns available there. So yes, it could have gone wrong. So uh, the Russian, there it's about to go south. He, he he doesn't want to negotiate with Bess. He doesn't want to help. Why should he? It's going to be bad for business. And then what does Bess do? She pulls out the word from the college catalog that she and Henry were mocking in the beginning of the show. <laughs> the omnipreneur, someone who does business all over the world, has a global reach for their business. And it totally, you know, totally pulls in the arms dealer. And he says, okay, I'll work for you. But you know what I want? I want that $100 million yacht that the U.S. government just uh, just confiscated. I saw it on the news, the frisky business. Mm-hmm. I want that. And yeah. I thought that was a pretty fun twist considering it's a story about like arms dealing, starvation, and hostage recovery. So I liked it. Right. I did too, Leanne. And that's what that's what uh, arms dealers want. They want yachts, Leanne, because it's much easier to conduct business on a yacht, their own yacht. Yeah. They all have them. I think the biggest yachts in the world are owned by Russian and Georgian arms dealers. So so, uh, so she has to go clear this with the president, who's very thoughtful. We haven't seen much of the president lately, but he's very thoughtful, shaking his head. Great. Uh-huh. Russell, not that happy about this whole situation, but they decide to move forward with this plan. And uh, they get the food in. Everyone's feeling good. But, you know, the raid goes kind of south. The hostage recovery goes mm-hmm. sign, kind of south. Shots are fired. The hot, you know, the DOS NGO guy and he's, is shot. They don't know if he's alive. That actually must be a terrifying thing, like watching from 3,000 miles away or 6,000, 10,000 miles away, the operation go down when it starts to go down. Like, I feel it hard to watch at home on television and it's uh-huh. fictional. So... I think Madam Secretary has done a good job of, again, of authenticity, of bringing in these videos that, you know, where the real time, where they're watching 
their operations uh, around the world. I thought I liked how they're incorporating that into the um, scripts. Yeah, it's a it's a good piece of television. Yeah, it's a good it's a good way to use technology that's available to take the story to different places. Agreed. So uh, it looks like everything's worked out, but then it's she's you know. Thank goodness the hostage is alive. They're going to get him home. The food's going to get in. And she sort of tosses out the, the you know, the, the line as she walks out of the situation room. Hey, just get a, get a catalog of all those weapons. Let's see what's up with those. And sure enough, the weapons used there in Somalia are from the Texas depot that is related to Henry's doomsday cult. Julie, of does course. this mean that this could all be wrapping up sh- soon? Does it mean That's, that? We can only hope that, Leanne. We can only hope. I am glad that Bess is able to help and support her husband yeah, by doing this. I didn't know exactly how they were able to identify those because they did mention that all the serial numbers were filed off the guns. But whatever. I, I'm just so over the doomsday cult, Leanne, that if that's what they need to wrap it up, let's, let's go with it, okay? But hats off to Bess's CIA training. Because she was the one when watching the video, assuming, you know, that she assumed they would be, how do you say that? Kalishnikovs? Yeah, Kalishnikovs. So she assumed, of course, being a, that they would be Russian weaponry. Mm -hmm. Um, But she noticed a difference in the sound. Like Uh when she heard the rounds go off, she noticed a difference in the sound and she thought, most maybe M16s. That's why she ordered the cataloging. And it turned out that that was true. They were M16s. They were stolen from the U.S. Army and now being traded by this Georgian arms dealer in Somalia. So in the meantime, we do have to mention the doomsday cult in this sense because Henry, who's been taken off the case, sitting at home on the crutches, you know, hobbling Uh around the kitchen and drinking scotch, uh, (laughs) puts it all together that if it's a doomsday cult, they want the end of time. So, you know, and then digs up some biblical passage that explains exactly where they're going with all the weapons they've stolen. And uh, he goes back to the FBI, the naysayers who said, we don't have any need for your religion. But of course, of course they need Henry. So Mm -hmm. now it looks like the doomsday cult is in Syria. And this is where they're going to merge with, uh, I don't know how many groups are together now. I didn't, right. right. I don't know. Some doomsday cultures, some Syrians, the rebels in, in Somalia. I don't know. They're all headed to Damascus. So that's what's happening to fulfill some biblical prediction. So at least Julie Henry is back being a religion professor, as you suggested. I know. That's what we were hoping for. We want him to have university-based projects to work on in the future. But I think he can wrap this up, Leanne. So in truth, this whole working with the, working with the Georgian arms dealer wasn't a great idea, but they were able to track the doomsday cult. But still, this may not be reported well in the New York Times for best. That's what I was thinking. I, I know. And there yeah. was really, really not a whole lot of backtalk on using that Blackwater type operations to uh, to to get the, you know, to to get to get the food into Somalia and get get their aid worker out. But yeah. As long as it, you know, as it stays undercover, uh, then I guess it's okay, right? But this could lead to political scandal for Bess. So keep your eye on that. But in the meantime, okay. in the meantime, we have Allison and Stevie awaiting these college acceptances. And just in general, this was a super fun story. 
started the show. You see Bess in bed. She, of course, is obsessively poring over the websites of the second choice colleges. <laughs> I know. Allison is waiting for her first choice college. And I liked all the fake college names. I think now, did, did you? Good... Did you? I was wondering why they, because, uh, of course, you know, the, the older daughter is applying to Harvard. So that's a real school. Why they didn't just go with real schools for Allison? I think why is because ultimately Allison had to end up going to a fashion school in Washington, D.C., not exactly known for their fashion, right? I mean, okay, what is okay. the least likely place to put a good fashion school? It's Washington, D.C. Okay. So that's what I'm thinking. Like, it's not like she's going to choose Baird over Parsons. You know what yeah, I mean? Okay. okay. <laughs> so, so that's what that's what I thought. And I'm sure, like, those are, like, names off the 405 freeway. Rafferty, Baird. <laughs> like, I'm sure the, the writers were, like, driving to work or something. You know, they're street names. So they're they street names. But they sound like they could be prestigious colleges yes. that have omnipreneur programs. Right. Yes. So, and, uh, but they were obsessing like every parent of high school seniors obsess. Were they not, Liam? Yeah. I mean, you as, you can't. You, I have two kids in college now, so I've been through the process twice. And recently, you you just cannot stop looking at the college websites and like absorbing every fact to a level that your children have no idea. Like you're embarrassed to try to admit this information that you know every class that's going to be offered in the college the next year to their third choice school and things like that. It's just, it's a way to kill time and relieve stress and it's all right there and you can participate. So when Bess kept like pointing out silver linings to all these second choice schools, I completely related. Like even the kids are in college now, Joel, and I, I'll say to my son who's a freshman, like, Gee, do you think, mm, I don't know, do you think the career office does any resume writing, you know, uh, Uh classes? Maybe you can get in on one of those. Knowing full well, if there's one like Tuesday from 2 to (laughs) 4 in Building C (laughs) and Room 525. Like, I I know it all, but I have to just lob it in there like, huh, I wonder if someone (laughs) could help you write your resume. So so it doesn't stop once they get in. (laughs) But... uh, yeah. So, and then Allison's on to her, like, you don't think I'm going to get into Rafferty. Now, remember, I she thought was- that was a good exchange because it is treacherous talking to your high school senior. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. There's there very little that you can say that they will not interpret as stress or, or some kind of, or pushing them in some kind of direction uh, when it comes to college admissions. Because as I said, it's bigger than world problems. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. And then, and then Stevie's trying to get into Harvard Law School. Remember, we had the whole episode about Russell writing the recommendation. Yeah. Now, I have to say, the sympathy level is pretty low on this. That's maybe yeah. another reason why they, uh, well, you know. Yeah, I figured, I figured both girls were not going to get into their first choice. I, I just as, you know, if they're, you know, I, I assumed that somebody would, uh, would, would be facing disappointment. Yeah, I thought this was a pretty good twist. I really hadn't thought through the Stevie storyline, but it turns out that Stevie doesn't get in, but she doesn't tell her parents right away. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, and she has to go to her at second rate, second choice school, Georgetown Law. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, Georgetown grads must be super happy that Madam Secretary is dissing their law school. Yeah, sure. All right. Hold on one second. Is Steffi a, George, a Georgetown grad? Perhaps. 
that do you we... remember that giant silver tray full of pastries that sits in the State Department yeah. for staff meetings? I don't think they refresh it every week. I wouldn't touch one of those pastries, but perhaps your dog, Steffi, would like one of those pastries. <laughs> A nice hard rock pastry. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I think it was the mailman. The mailman arriving. So... So uh, there is a scene where they're all Skyping all together. They're waiting for the group, the email from Rafferty, choice number one, the whole family. Julie, what do you think about that? The group email viewing the whole oh, family. Oh, it just sounds, it looked horrible. It was, I think it looked horrible to be the student and horrible to be the parent. I, I don't know. But it. But they're a close family and they wanted to all be together. So that's the way they did it. Yeah, so. I that that looked terrible to me too. We didn't have any of those situations. Both of my kids got their acceptance through the mail. Some schools yeah. still do that and in one case I wasn't home. I was on a business trip and that was a great phone call when my son called me and said I got into college and it was first choice and that was a fantastic phone call. So I enjoyed that, but yeah, the group viewing that looked bad. But yeah. I also know plenty of people who they got all the passwords and they <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so they cracked into their ch- children's the email. Oh yeah, it all yeah. happens. So I think that was a very realistic scene. I think that yes. that's how that happens. And now people take videos of that and post it on YouTube. So you know that also happens too. So in the end, though, Allison decides that going to Rafferty, she goes on one of the you know chat rooms, the recent the recent um, acceptance accepted kids, and it's a turnoff because they're all kind of pretentious fascist students. And I really like that twist. I Well, I thought that was uh, ill-advised, okay? <laughs> I thought they needed a lot more family discussion about it, uh, and that she would just turn on a pivot so quickly based on, again, a message board. Sounds uh, – not a lot of data there, Leanne. Not a, you know, it doesn't sound like a very informed choice. Now, I know they were trying to represent that the parents were letting the child make their own choice and everything, but I, I, I just don't think it was a very informed decision. Now, Julie, you say that speaking as a former college admissions counselor. As a former yes. college admissions counselor, yes. yes. I think of just a little more data-driven, a few more few more discussions, perhaps sleep on it overnight before making that snap judgment. That's why they have all these visitation days once they send out the letters of um, acceptances that college admissions offices you know, kill themselves to put on and produce. So we really want you to show up on campus before you make some snap, irrational decision based on some anonymous message board post. All right. Well, Allison didn't do any of those things. She made the snap decision, uh, you know, shocker, there are pretentious kids at fashion school, at design school. But uh, so she decided to go for the Omnipreneur program at the fictional Baird College. In well, DC. I'm up for that. Two thumbs up for, and I, and I hope to see in the fall catalogs for, uh, for schools all across the country that they will be introducing their new exclusive Omnipreneur program. <laughs> I don't understand those entrepreneurship programs at colleges and every college has one now. I'm like, do we need more apps that deliver things to your dorm room? Cause that yes, seems wait. to be the only yes. thing college kids quote invent in college. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> seems but to be working for some kids, Leanne. <laughs> some kids, but not all kids. Some kids should leave their college dorm rooms to go get that burrito. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, so anyway, that is, they're both going to be in college in D.C., Allison and Stevie. So that's good for the TV show. Mom seems happy. I like Stevie's kind of Stevie Nicks outfit. What was that? Do you think she's pregnant in real life? 
I don't know, Leanne. I mean, I don't know I mean, anything does, about the actress, but I was like the open shoulder thing that she had going. Sort of suspicious about the flowing about the flowing shirt, but I as, huh? and she could she she could be like thirty five years old, you know. I yes. don't know, so maybe not. We'll see. I hope we see more of Stevie. We haven't seen a lot of her lately, but she'll be going to Georgetown Law School. Allison will be going to Bayard, and poor Jason will be home alone. So that's a. I think it's going to be good. I think Jason is going to have uh, increased an increased role on the show. You know, he's funny. He's smart. He reminds me a lot of your younger son, Liam. He, he yeah. really does. He said, yeah. like, the way he was needling Allison, too, that yes. was just classic Colin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And our binders full of blouses. Julie, I mean, let's call out that three-piece suit that Bess was wearing. Yeah. I, I liked it. What do you think? How, how do you stuff yourself into a vest and a jacket? <laughs> Like I, I find suit jackets so constricting and yet she had on a vest and a jacket and she looks fantastic. I, I thought know, it looked great, great on her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also really was, um, was eyeing her stacked bracelets. Did you notice that Lee? No. She was where, oh yeah, you've got, you have to go back and examine, examine it very closely, examine her wrists. She's wearing a series of stacked bracelets that, uh, we're, we're not ditzy. We're not, we're powerful. So, um, well, I think we need to start copying that. And then, uh, I have to shout out to the long pearls that we saw on the oh. runway in Mogadishu when she was meeting with the arms dealer. She got off that plane with her power trench on a dark shirt and those long pearls knotted. I liked it. Yeah, that was yeah. good. And then, uh, finally for her casual look, uh, something no normal human being could pull off. She had a blue jean shirt on, but then she had that Short over long over short sweater. That sweater with two different hemlines. With oh, the- yeah. Nobody could wear that. They're just don't buy that, okay? Because <laughs> if you put it on, you're going to look ridiculous in that. <laughs> it's short in the front, long in the back, but in a very exaggerated way. Yeah. So, so, so it looked all right on the, uh, Madam Secretary, but the rest of us don't go near that. I think if you wore it, like, I love the sweater and I was thinking, like, if you wore it with just a long t-shirt. No, no, stay, stay away from that. Stay away from that. Okay. Just don't do that. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, all right. Anything else about the show this week, Joel? Uh, no, I did my, one of my favorite, um, scenes I will just say was the nice mother daughter moment that, um, Allison and her mom had, they were eating ice cream at like five in the morning talking about colleges and neither of them could sleep. And I thought it was just very sweet and believable and credible. And, you know, it's sort of what you would hope a mother daughter relationship would be like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Stevie is the perfect daughter and Allison is, you know, the more creative the middle one. Child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the middle one. <laughs> well, sometimes in a family that is so data-driven, like uh, like the McCord family, the creative one doesn't get a lot of credit. And that is basically what they were saying. That, you know, that, that Bess was acknowledging that they like having, you know, they like having someone who's a little bit different brings a little bit of creativity to their family. Yeah, it was a very, very sweet scene. And I'm happy the girls will be um, attending Baird and and Mm -hmm. Georgetown Law. Georgetown Law. That second-rate law school. Um, All right. Anything else, Jewel? Uh, Just a final moment, just on the Blake watch, because I enjoy him. I loved how he was also put to task to researching schools. And he had come up with that one, one of the schools, the backup schools had brown and yellow as the school colors. Okay. (laughs) 
That was which, super funny. Which was very funny. And just, there was no way Blake could support a school where those were the school colors. I have to say this. My son's high school was brown and gold. Oh. It's a horrible combination. Yeah. And every yeah. school event looks like the covers, tables are covered in dirt, you know, because it's just <laughs> it's terrible. Brown tablecloths with sunflowers on top for yeah. every school event we ever had at St. Francis. So Blake, I'm with you. Brown and gold, just say no. All right. Uh, fantastic. Thanks so much, Jewel. Thanks, Leanne. All right. Have a great week. And you too. Uh, we have a full satellite sister show this week. We have a new show. You can go over and take a listen. We had a big event at the Santa Monica Public Library. If you um, are not a regular Satellite Sisters listener and want sort of an introduction, we actually have an hour-long Facebook Live program that we did, and it's up at our Satellite Sisters Facebook page. You can see all five Satellite Sisters, me, Julie, our sisters Liz, Sheila, and Monica, on stage at the Santa Monica Public Library, answering questions, doing an hour-long Ask Us Anything if you need a little background on the show and want to find out who those other sisters are, and a brand-new podcast this week, so you can go to iTunes or Stitcher or SatelliteSisters.com. That's where we have it posted. All right. Have a great week, Joel. You too, Leanne. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. 